0: listening to a podcast from St. Benedict's Table, a congregation of the Anglican Church of Canada, located in Winnipeg, Manitoba. May only truth be spoken and only truth received. Amen. A shoot shall come out from the stalk of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. So begins one of the great Advent texts from the prophet Isaiah. Jesse, now that's the father of King David, the crowning figure of hope for ancient Israel. David was not an uncomplicated figure, of course, but still he was the one who represented possibility for the nation. They remembered his reign, and at the same time they anticipated the the rising up of an heir, a son of David who could rule over a renewed and transformed Israel. It's so important to live with that kind of hope for transformation in times of crisis, whether it was in the exile in Babylon or under the iron rule of the Roman Empire. The great tree that had been Israel had been felled, leaving nothing but a stump. But out of that stump of Jesse, out of roots still buried deep in the ground, a new branch shall spring up. The tree will grow again. That's the deep hope that Isaiah is singing. I think it's interesting, though, to remember the family story that comes before David, before Jesse. The story told in that brief little book, the book of Ruth. Now, Ruth was a Moabite woman. and She was married to a Jewish man whose family had migrated from Bethlehem in Judah to Moab to escape a drought and a famine. As the story goes, Ruth's father-in-law had already died before she was married and in time, her own husband would die too. At that point, Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, a Jewish woman, decided she would then return home to Judah. And Ruth chose to go with her, saying, Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God." Well, Ruth did go to Judah with Naomi, and in time, she would meet and marry Boaz. And there's a little bit of steam in the story of how they get together. Read it. Together, Ruth and Boaz would have a son, Obed, who would become the father of Jesse, who in turn would become the father of David, the iconic king of Israel. Now, think about that for a minute. This iconic king, this figure who is the hope of Israel, he's the great-grandson of a Moabite woman, of an outsider. The writers of these texts have no need to edit this out. They don't need to present the great king as being racially or ethnically pure. In fact, they celebrate Ruth's fidelity to her Jewish mother-in-law. They celebrate how a new beginning is brought forth, both from the tragedy of those two deaths, but also in this unusual situation in which the seeds of the house of David are actually sown in Moab. Now, I think that's a really significant thing for us to keep in view in this day. There's a lot of politics of fear Around us, politics of exclusion, as the Ku Klux Klan resurges in the United States, or as very reactionary political movements are winning office in Europe and pushing back against Syrian refugees, or as ISIS comes to be out of a politics of fear and exclusion. What this story of David's forebears says is that God has a distinct preference for bringing new possibilities out of what others had said were not to be done. A root shall come out from the stalk of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. Now when Isaiah first uttered those words, Israel had been reduced to just a stump. The royal household was ruined, nothing left. No reason to have hope in a future as a people, as a nation. All of that was behind them. And now, writes Walter Brueggemann, and now in the face of that spent hope, the poet asserts a new generativity with a sprout, unnamed and unidentified, but a faint sign of life, growth, and possibility. Not that it was going to come about as an instantaneous turnaround, no. Isaiah can see just the beginning, can believe in just the beginning of a sprout coming out of that broken tree stump. He knows it may take a long, long, long time to grow. But still, Isaiah sings... And he sings out of extraordinary and unexpected things. Yes, the royal household had failed. Yes, the land lay in ruins. Yes, the people are in chains. But a shoot shall come out from the stalk of Jesse. A branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. Wisdom, understanding, counsel, knowledge, and fear of the Lord. These are all qualities that most of the kings of Israel had been remarkably short on. And some of those kings had actually been rather disdainful of such characteristics. Isaiah knows this. He knows it. He also knows that many who sat on the throne had not ruled with righteousness. They had not judged the poor righteously, nor decided with equity for the meek of the earth. Yet those are the very qualities the prophet envisions being true of this coming one. And then he's able to press on and to offer up those extraordinarily poignant images. The wolf shall live with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the kid. The calf and the lion and the fatling together. And a little child shall lead them. In his commentary on this passage, biblical scholar Michael Chan notes how this imagery takes on additional significance if we read it against or within its ancient Near Eastern context. In the royal propaganda of the ancient Near East, Chan writes, so around the ancient Near East, not just Israel, but other, other lands, in their royal propaganda, royal figures frequently encounter predatory animals, and especially lions. What is surprising is the way in which this young shepherd in Isaiah, this young shepherd interacts with them. In general, kings would be depicted fighting and killing lions, not leading them or living among them. Unlike his ancient Near Eastern contemporaries, the Davidic ruler of Isaiah 11 does not hunt lions, rather, he mysteriously remakes them. In short, Isaiah, as a poet, is imagining here something entirely unprecedented. He envisions the cow and bear grazing together, the lion eating straw like an ox children safe as they play close to the dens of poisonous snakes. It's all quite a picture. But it's not a picture meant to be fanciful about animals and just children. In fact, it's a picture meant to be about us. And here, Walter Brueggemann comments, the poem is about deep, radical limitless transformation in which we, we, like lion, wolf, and leopard, will have no hunger for injury, no need to devour, no yearning for brutal control, no passion for domination. It's the promise of a peaceable kingdom, utterly new, And ever renewing. This is what Isaiah sees when he begins to sing of how that dead stump was not so dead as everyone had feared, of the sprout he sees just beginning to emerge. Now, as, as Christians, we read Isaiah in light of Jesus, in light of his first advent his first coming among us, his birth in Bethlehem. But we also recognize that the story is anything but finished, that the world does not know anything close to that peaceableness that the prophet-poet Isaiah dared to sing of. This is an Advent text, precisely because we have yet to fully know such a kingdom, because we still wait and watch and look and long for its arrival. Sometimes to be honest, we do that with rather thin and spent hope, much like the people of Isaiah's day. Sometimes we wonder if it's a bit of folly to uh, to have that kind of hope at all. It seems just too much to believe that in Christ all of creation will be restored and healed and made new. It does seem a rather audacious thing to believe, doesn't it? Particularly in troubled times. That's the thing about Advent, though, and about Christmastide, too. These are seasons filled with audacious stories, told from a posture of both wonder but also of stubborn hope, hope that dares to see the beginnings of a sprout coming out of a stump. It is, after all, the very posture Isaiah took when he first uttered those words. So may we hear them and sing them and say them and hold them with the deepest Advent hope. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit... Amen. You've been listening to a St. Benedict's Table podcast. For more information on our church or to provide support for our online work, visit us at stbenedictstable.ca.